0: ken harrison is a busy busy guy let me tell you he's got his hands in all kinds of things and he seems to be that way he's just a guy that's always involved always doing something but more recently he has penned a book called daring faith in a cowardly world he i think that's his second book He's also the CEO of Waterstone, which is a Christian community foundation, and he's also the CEO and chairman of Promise Keepers. This is a great organization. They do a number of things, but what they're probably more known for are the events that they hold around the country I've been to two or three of these myself, and they are ramping back up again. They've got some events that are going to be coming out this summer and this fall going into next year. So if you want to find out more about it, promisekeepers.org. And what I like about the program is that it helps relationships with fathers and sons. It is a great program. I highly recommend it. And I got a chance to sit down and talk with Ken, not necessarily about Promise Keepers or his book. But more about leadership, he's got his hands in so many things, as I said earlier, that I just couldn't help but think about his ability and the number of people he's interacted with and have communicated with. And I just thought, hey, would you be willing, Ken, to sit down and talk to me and my listening audience about what you feel leadership really, truly looks like? And he was more than happy to oblige. And I am excited to bring you into the podcast called Thrivehood. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm good, man. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I know we've been trying forever to to get this thing set up, and you're a busy guy. And speaking of you being busy, before we jump into leadership, I think you and I talked a little bit and said, hey, we think this would be a good topic for my listeners before we jump into that, tell us what you're up to. I know you're really busy as of late and you're just, you're just playing around with this little thing called promise keepers, right? What's What's that all about?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's a weird thing because for you and me, uh, our age group promise keepers was massive. I mean, it was the biggest movement in the history of the church um, for men and uh, Back in October of 97, we had 1.4 million men get together in Washington, D.C. It's the biggest gathering in the history of D.C. And Promise Keepers um, now is coming back in this huge way, in a little bit of a different way, because we realize that there is really an epidemic of friendless American men. And we are trying to get away from the Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, I can do it all by myself and I don't need anybody else to we got to have brothers and uh, link arms and do this together because we're seeing you know, our culture collapsing all around us and too many people running around trying to fix it by themselves instead of saying, what can we do together? So promise keepers, we're, we're going to have a daring faith tour coming. We're going to all bunch of cities, but the ones we have for sure. Now we have uh, Nashville on uh, October 20th, mem- no uh, Houston, October 27th, Memphis, November 9th in New York City on December 1st, and then we'll be in a bunch more on 24, but a bunch of guys getting together, praising the Lord, just having real authentic conversations about what the Bible really says about being a man.
0: Man, I like the idea and the concept, the community is another part of, another way to say of what you're trying to build is bringing us together because the problem with it, here I am, I'm preaching, I didn't mean to, but I really like what you said. The problem is, you know, do we really want to grow old alone? I don't I don't think that's really the goal. But uh, anyway, I, I just love what you're doing, man. I think that's great.
1: Well, I mean, they say, you know, I just read this last week that only 20% of any culture in history of the world, only 20% of the people actually have the moral and intellectual ability to make a difference. It means 80% of people are just along for the ride. Wow. So if you're part of the 20%, you you want to make a difference. And you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So every one of us, when we gave our faith in Christ, was gifted specifically to accomplish a plan that God gave us to do. Well, we only have certain gifts. I mean, I I, I'm gifted in leadership. I've led a lot of big things and had a lot of success in leadership. But don't ask me to play guitar. Don't yeah, ask me right. to paint a pain, uh, uh, to paint a painting. And don't ask me to be an engineer on a on a building project because I yeah, have I zero do. talent. Right. So, if 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 I don't link up with other people who are gifted in different ways, I'm never going to accomplish anything. And that's a thing. A thing that there's a humility coming on our generation and older generation that says. If I really want to make a difference, I've got to admit, I don't know everything. In fact, I've got to admit, I don't know much, but I'm really gifted in certain ways. And if I can bring those gifts to the party and other people bring theirs, man, we can accomplish great things.
0: Yeah, I, I love this. We we could literally just sit here for a half an hour and talk about this. And um, but you perfect segue. You mentioned leadership and talked about a little bit about what you're doing. And that's really where I'd like to go for just a few minutes, Ken, with you. So what actually is leadership in in your opinion?
1: Leadership is creating a space for other people to do the best that they can in their talent. Right. So um, in my marriage, I'm a leader in my marriage. What can I do to instill self-confidence and self-esteem in my wife and create the space for her to use her gifts in our marriage? Same with my kids, not castigating them or putting them down. But I have three kids, two boys and a girl. They're all very different in how they, how they see things. My daughter's a total intellectual, you know, major reader. She's an English teacher. Uh, My son, college wrestler, right? Total stud wrestler. My other son, he's out hunting elk and, you know, living off the land. And so all three completely different people. What can I do to encourage them to use their skills in the way God's gifted them? And that, goes beyond in every facet of life. If I'm truly a leader, I'm a leader in everywhere I go. That includes when I walk into Starbucks, not that I go to Starbucks because their coffee sucks, but go into a good <laughs> coffee place. And, and that person who's making my coffee, what can I do to build them up? What can I do to encourage them in life, to make them feel loved? Because man, I may be the only encouraging person they talk to all day. I don't know their situation, but I can read their face. What can I do to give them an encouraging word? So leadership is it really, if you're truly a leader, it's everything you do everywhere you go. What can I do to create space for people to be the best they can and how God gifted them?
0: So let's keep going with that message. So the first obvious question there was, what is leadership? The second question I would say is, how do you become a leader? What are, what are some ways that we can move into that role as a young man?
1: Pain. I will tell you right now um, people, you know, the question is, are leaders born or are they, or, or do they become leaders? And the answer is yes. Every one of us is built, born with different potential, but you only grow in pain. And, you know, if I encourage the younger generation right now is that because of the great advantages that they've had, they have some great disadvantages. And one of the great disadvantages that they have is they haven't learned to handle confrontation like all the other generations. Because when you and I, wanted to go on a date. We had to ask the girl for her phone number
0: Mm -hmm. and then we
1: had to call her house on a landline and have her dad or mom answer and ask who we were. And I remember getting out by a mom once because it was eight 15 and she told me, gentlemen, don't call ladies after eight o'clock at night. (laughs) And you you meet a girl, you had to ask her to dance. You went to a school dance and, and, and so you risk rejection all the time just to get through life in our generation. Whereas today, um, young kids have the ability to manage their potential for rejection through social media, you know, going for hookups and all this kind of stuff instead of having to look a girl in the eye and say, can I have your phone number, which my boys now tell me you would be a complete dork if you did that, which I, (laughs) right. (laughs) right. So the problem then is that the younger generation hasn't learned to handle confrontation and rejection like every other generation in the history of mankind has had to do. Right. So in order to be a leader, a lot of being a leader is handling confrontation healthy in a, in, a, in a way. And this generation is starting off behind the eight ball because they haven't learned even to handle the most basic of rejection. So, you know, my daughter was just telling me when she delivered university, if they want to order a pizza, all of her friends, she had to order it because they were too scared to call and order a pizza. I, I don't, you know, that's crazy to me. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you know, I would say if you want to be a leader, the first thing is you've got to be able to risk rejection. And you've got to be able to learn to handle confrontation in a healthy manner. And the only way to do that is to do it. The only way to re- understand how to risk rejection is to risk rejection. And the only way to learn how to handle confrontation healthy is to handle confrontation. That is to say, walking up to somebody and having a tough conversation with grace and humility that may be hard to do. And the more you do it, the easier it gets until pretty soon you become really, really good at it. And then you become a blessing to people. Because a lot of people need to have, when I say confrontation, I don't mean a fight. I just mean um, difficult to have conversations, which is what marriage revolves around. You know, my Mm -hmm. wife, darling, would you please put your dishes in the dishwasher? Because when you put them on the sink, they don't clean themselves, right? That's a confrontational conversation. (laughs) And I get to say, yeah, sorry that I was that inconsiderate. I'll try to do better, right? That's marriage. And if you... Don't do that. You end up becoming passive aggressive and cowardly, and you end up having all the stuff we have in culture today, which is a bunch of people ripping on each other behind a keyboard instead of risking relationship.
0: Yeah, I have uh, more than once in a couple of episodes, I've talked about, you know, taking a social media fast or getting off there. And in one of the episodes, I, I forgot what I called it now, but I literally said, stop texting a girl out put the phone down yes. and go over to her. Maybe give us an example or two. Like how how would they want to do that and, and risk a little bit more than what they are now? Maybe that's a better way to ask.
1: Um, I, I liked your first way because the second way I feel like I'm too old to know how to tell them specifically how to do it. I mean, how I would do it is walk up and say, my name is Ken and I mean I would love to get to know you better. Can I have your phone number? But the problem is is, as I'm told, a girl would look at you like you were, you had two heads if you did that. So I, I don't know, <laughs> but I will tell you this on a, on a higher level for these young men. all young women, th- there's trauma and there's things that culture has done to women um, that, that, that can affect this. But at the core, all women want to know that they have a male, a man, a partner, a husband who would do whatever it takes to protect them and provide for them and be their man. Right, And I don't care no matter how much culture has poisoned their minds in their heart, that's what they want. And you know how they know that they're, they're going to get that is by having a man who stands up and acts like a freaking man. And part of that is to say, however you do it, to look her in the eye and say, I, I really, um, I'd love to be your friend. I'm attracted to you. I would love to get to know you better. And there's something in her that, it, well, who's this guy? And you tell you, I mean, the complaint across the board um, with women is there's no real men out there and dealing with promise keepers dealing with a men's ministry. Um, I see this a lot um, where men say, you need to tell those women they need to get in line. They, they got to, And I'm like, no, my job is not to tell how women had to act. And fr- in fact, women are, a lot of them are angry and I don't blame them because men suck. <laughs> men are addicted <laughs> to pornography. They're perverted. They're looking for sex everywhere they go. They're looking for immediate gratification um, They play video games. What is there that would say to a woman, I really want to be linked up with that for the rest of my life. So as a, you know, for a man, if you really want a quality woman, start acting like a man. And sometimes men don't really know, well, what does that mean? How do I act like a man? I would say, well, again, handling confrontation in a healthy way, in a humble and gracious way, and being able to handle the possibility of rejection because life will send you rejection. Every person, I don't care how handsome he is, Athletic, how much money? Everybody will face rejection multiple times in your life. So be the guy who's good at it.
0: Gosh, we again can we could talk on this for an hour because you're touching on so many uh, powerful points and important points. Just as a clarification, I know we sort of went down the track of relationships. But leadership is in all areas, all categories of our life. It's also having the ability to have conflict resolution skills in the workplace, at school, with friends, with teachers, with with uh, family members. And there's there's a lot of dysfunction going on in in America right now, let alone the world, and having to manage through all of that. So I think to remind the young men, I know we're talking about women, and it's it's a big one. There's no question about that. But I think what we're saying is it's it's all areas of our life. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody, and they were talking about a fellow that just works. He works on the production line at a car company, and he's been there forty years, and he makes you know sixty thousand a year, and that's his life. And they were having a they were talking about you know like he doesn't really isn't a leader. He just sort of goes to work, and I was like whoa 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 <laughs> hold on a minute. What is his family like? like, you know, well, his kids going to Harvard and his daughter is, is married, this rich guy that's successful and is just w- liked in the community. And his wife is taking, I'm like, that's leadership. We, we, we want to put leadership in a category where only the few reach it. I, it doesn't matter if you're managing one individual, if some, at least some person is coming to you you can manage that and become a leader in that of itself. So I, I think that's a good clarification for all of us is to realize that it's, you can lead anywhere.
1: No, I always say that in the measure of a man, is you look at his wife and his kids, and it'll tell you all you need to know about the man. And I get lots of men to come whining to me about what victims they are. And they got jacked up marriages and jacked up kids. And then they're they're whining about how they're victims. No, no, you're just a bad husband and a bad father and not a very good guy.
0: I <laughs> can man. Oh gosh. Uh, we, uh, we may have to do this again. I'm loving the church, I mean, you, uh, but it's true. I yeah. mean, it really is. We, 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 we got to get in. Uh, and and I, I understand there's, there's challenges in every generation, but there's challenges in every generation. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's no different than from one to the next. So what, what is it for us? We, we've talked so much about why leadership is important for others. But from a personal standpoint, maybe you already talked about it. Why is it important for us to be leaders? What what's the benefit of me learning how to be a leader? Yeah, so I
1: mean one of the problems we have in the church, and I think a lot of young people listening to this right now, um we give people the wrong identity. And so we say in the church often, I mean maybe not overtly, but we say subvert at least that is, you know, you're a sinner and you're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. So now you're saved and you're going to to heaven. So have a nice day. And so the identity that we put on ourselves is I'm a sinner and I'm lucky that God loves me, but that's that. And in fact, the reality is we're sinners that were saved by grace. Now we are sons and daughters of the most high God, and we have a mission to accomplish. And either we will accomplish that mission or we won't. So I think a lot of people have the wrong identity on themselves. And when people realize that their identity is that they are a son or daughter of God with a mission to accomplish, then they realize, well, my job is to be a leader. And that, you know, somebody 17 is going, well, who do I lead? I don't lead anybody. You lead yourself. And they they think, well, Mm -hmm. that's not real. It, It very much is real. Because there's only three things that we can control in this world. We can control who or what we trust. Number one, we can control, number two, our attitude about that. And number three, we can control what we do. That is to say, we have a choice on how I respond to things. We can't control anything else. I can't control whether someone's going to drive drunk and run a red light and hit me in my car. I can control whether I'm the one who's drunk and whether I'm alert as I'm driving for the idiot drunk driver that might be doing that. Right. And I'm an ex Los Angeles policeman. So I have a way of saying things that, right, that are a bit direct. But yeah, yeah. It's so good, we're leaders man. in our own life. And we can say. All, some of us were born in tougher situations than others. Some of us have crummy fathers. Some of us had great fathers. And, and we try to make victims out of this. Like, well, you know, people are privileged and all. Look, every one of us has a different road to hell. People say, I was born a certain way. Okay. But what are you going to do about that? So how, how do we respond to our situation? So every one of us is a leader. The difference is how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a victim Do you whine about this and that? Are you a parasite on society or a pain in the neck because you want to tell everybody how not fair it was? Or are you going to say, I was born with a certain set of circumstances. How will I respond to that? I've got a very good friend. One of my best friends, his name is Ross Mason. Ross went to Wharton School of Business, went to the Soviet Union when the Iron Curtain came down, redid their banking system. Then he became a world-class Iron Man, amazing Iron Man, Then he was in a bicycle accident, and now he's paralyzed from the neck down. He's been paralyzed for 14 years. I've never heard Ross whine once. Ross has now become a great man of prayer. He says he thanks the Lord every day for what happened to him because now he's this incredible man of prayer. And he says, if God hadn't slowed me down, I never would have known him like I do. So how did Ross respond to maybe the worst thing that could ever happen to somebody? With gratitude. How are we going to respond? So being a leader is in every aspect and it is a choice. Do I choose to be a leader or not? And the first person I'm going to lead is me. And the first thing I need to do is how am I going to lead myself in the three things I can control? Who or what I trust, my attitude, and what I do. Everything else, whether that person said something mean to me, how, how somebody did that, I can't control that, but I can control how I respond to it.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a perfect place to end. I think that was extremely powerful. And I, yeah, gosh, there's so much here to unpack, but uh, thank you. You've done a remarkable job with just a few minutes we've had. So before we finish out, Tell us how anybody can find out more about you, more about your books, more about Promise Keepers. Fill us in a little bit on that first, if you would, please.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I, I wrote the more, my most recent book is A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, and it talks about um, why we should be bold in Christ and what the rewards are that, that we will be rewarded by Christ on this earth and in eternity If we stand for him um you can get that on amazon all the usual spots it's called a daring faith in a cowardly world number two i would say you know if people want more of what i've been saying get on our app um there aren't many apps out there that are really good that are dedicated to men being men and um so the promise keepers app they could just go to the app store promise keepers this is stuff on there you know we have an hour long very we had two hundred fifty thousand people watch it live on sexual integrity. It's an hour long. We have one called Carry that is on mental health people who are suffering under the mantle of guilt, bipolar, depression, suicidal thoughts. And then we have some detailed things that people can go through if they need to. So, of the 250,000 people that watched the sexual integrity event, 5,000 people went through a 30 day intensive challenge on getting free from pornography. So, out. You get on the app and, and take a look. There's also massive chat groups that go on and people all over the world are on them. And so we have people in Germany and they're typing in, having conversations and it's immediately transferring what they say in English and the people are responding to them and it's transferring into German for them. And so you can get on there. And there's a lot of people saying, man, I want some wisdom from some older men who are real and who will give me real stuff. That app will have a lot of conversations you can jump into and start to sort of explore and challenge, and some godly men and some less than godly men that are seeking. So, and then also the Promise Keepers events that I'd mentioned earlier Nashville, uh, Houston, Memphis, New York City. Next year, we've already lining up Tampa, Orlando, um, Chicago, Seattle, San Diego. So, we're coming to a place near you over the next year or so for a Friday night event. So, Promise Keepers finally coming back.
0: And this is great, Ken. I appreciate your forthrightness. I appreciate your bluntness. I really do. I really, really do. I'm glad you didn't hold back. These men today need to hear this in truth and in honesty. And so my takeaway from this was just how I love it, how just it has to be said. Sometimes it just has to be said. So, as I always like to do, I like to leave the last word for my guests. As we close this out, Ken, give us a, a nugget, piece of advice, inspirational quote, I don't know, whatever you want <laughs> for these young men here today as we finish this out. And and Ken, it was truly a pleasure having you on the Foot podcast today.
1: Thank you. You know, I just remind everybody that Jesus or God says he is our father and he's the king. He's both. So what's it like to be a son of the king? He's going to treat you like a loving father and be endlessly patient with you. But he's not going to promote you to ruling his kingdom with him unless you're up to the challenge. So no matter what, God will be with you. He will be the prodigal father. He will rush to pick you up with open arms and kill the fattened calf and say, my sons come home. You want to be more than that? You want to reign with him? But then you get busy about his business. And he has gifted you to do so. But he ain't gonna you ain't gonna reach those gifts if you're playing the victim. What are you gonna do about reaching up and grabbing what he's giving you? This podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed by guests are not necessarily those of the host. Please seek the advice of a trusted adult or qualified professional on matters specific to your needs.